Welcome to College Soccer Nation, the premier podcast focused on NCAA collegiate soccer, featuring SMU head women's coach Chris Petroselli and Old Miss head women's coach Mad Mod. You can download and listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And if you like what you hear, leave a five-star review and tell your soccer friends. Now let's go to Coach Petroselli and Coach Mod. Tuesday, November 9th, College Soccer Nation is all in on the NCAA tournament. My name is Matt Mott, one of the co-hosts, the head coach of the Ole Miss Rebels. Chris Petroselli will join us. He is the head coach of the SMU Mustangs, two teams that are still dancing in this NCAA tournament of 64. Congratulations, Chris, to you and the Mustangs on a uh, a bid to the NCAA tournament. Thanks, Matt, and congratulations to you and the Land Sharks. Are we going with Land Sharks? I mean, is that what no, we're, we're going with Ole Miss Rebels. That's what Ole we are. Rebels, Land Sharks okay. are mess. But I thought I, Rebels, I I thought Rebels was like you're not allowed to say that anymore. So, no. Anyway, congratulations, Matt. On yeah, the, thanks. On, what a backhanded uh, compliment. Uh, I really appreciate it. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's uh, it's great to still be playing, isn't it? It is. It was great to have practice today, right? Yeah. Never, uh, never take that for granted. As I told my team, especially the young guys. Um, you know, when you go, it's really special. We haven't hosted in in uh, six years. And the idea that we get to host this this year is, is pretty awesome. And you just can't take it for granted because it's hard. It's really, really hard to make this field. Yeah, I mean, it, you, you think about it, you know, 64 of 300 and I think 354. And then, you know, if you if you make it as an at-large, uh, as an at-large bid, uh, which we we both did, that's 33. Only right. 33 of those out there, you know, of, of non-conference uh, tournament winners that that end up being selected. So it's a uh, a great honor to be selected. It is. It is. And and uh, and really hard to do. So um, certainly congratulations and congratulations to all the teams that made it, won their conference tournaments or or got an at-large bid. Pretty, pretty excited. Um, and along with with today, Chris, you know, and this great news and, and 64 teams are happy. Unfortunately, in our profession that is driven by results, um, you know, some some people uh, are moving on from their positions that are not being renewed or, or the contracts not being renewed and those kind of things. And unfortunately, a very good friend of ours, Billy Lassane at, at Georgia, probably the, the biggest news of the day so far is, is he's not being renewed at, at the University of Georgia. So um, it's tough, right? It, it, exactly. I'm very happy to hear, but now a, a very good friend of mine and yours and and everybody with the show is is uh, is is not being retained. Yeah. Well. Well. First of all, you know, in, in Billy's case, just a first class guy, right? I mean, the, the guy's just Absolutely. a first class guy. You know, wonderful, wonderful person. And um, you know, you always wish better for him. And and uh, unfortunately, we don't get we don't get to make these decisions, you know. And we have athletic directors who are making decisions, and maybe they're making decisions on things that we don't quite understand. And and, and don't agree with. Um, but there are a number of people out there that are going through this process right now, and uh, I'm sure it's difficult for them and their families. Yeah, and it's a result-driven business. At the end of the day, it's result-driven business. I, I think that it's – I have a, a quick little funny story. So my daughter was was in class a, a couple years ago, and um, she's in class, and, and the teacher's giving her a hard time, and, and the teacher's teaching a political science class or whatever, and they're disagreeing on politics. And for some reason, the teacher says to my daughter, well, what, Tacey, what does your, what does your dad do? And she says, he's the soccer coach at Ole Miss. And the guy says, well, that, that, that doesn't count. Soccer, soccer doesn't, doesn't matter. 
And uh, and he, she said, well, what are you talking about? And he said, well, how much does it cost to go to the games? And Tacey said, oh, the games are free. He says, see, they, they don't even charge for the games. And Tacey says to him, when was the last time 2,000 people came to watch you teach class? <laughs> 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 Which I think was awesome. But it's the point of, right, we're in the public. And, and yes. you know, these universities, it's important. And you have to have success. And if you don't have success, then then um, it's going to be hard to, to keep the position. So uh, I, I there's a number of jobs opening. I, I know um, Georgia certainly is a big one. Kentucky's open. There's some big jobs open. But let's uh, let's bring in the uh, let's bring in the the big deal and and kind of get his take on all things um, college soccer. So Brian, let's do it. Welcome to uh, College Soccer Nation. How are you on this fine Tuesday evening? I'm doing quite well. You know, in your intro there, where you guys were. Uh going back and forth with the plaudits you left off oh you're so good looking chris and mac <laughs> none of that's true so. yeah. well, well it's the first time ever we've both given each other compliments it's kind of awkward it was, it was awkward. two minutes of you're the greatest no 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 you're the greatest no, no, no. i have a couple of things from y'all's jabber the okay 30 what is how many out larges are there 33 33 Okay, that is not out of 350. Of the 350, only about 120 are legitimate, have a chance to get an at-large. Is that not true? It is true, but it is out of 350. There are 350 teams. (laughs) There are 350 teams, but Texas Southern down the street is fantastic. You know, Brian. I'm when so sorry, Brian. Brian. I apologize for us being excited about getting a bid. No. And you're, oh, it's so great to be at practice. Yeah, I, I'm sitting on my living room couch over here <laughs> listening to you too. It's Yes. And and last year it was me sitting on the couch listening. And in no <laughs> well, way did I rain on your parade. That's right. That's right. Because you took I it like a man. Some, someone's being a little WLB. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't so. know what that stands for. Whiny little oh. bitch. Oh, oh, geez. Now I've got expletives. <laughs> the FCC is going to be after you like you're Eli. Yeah. You old miss people. Did you see uh, that? That's right. I did see that. Yeah. <laughs> Roberted. Uh, now, but congratulations, you guys. It is very fun. And to live vicariously, even, you know, in the profession, when, say, you don't make the tournament, it's it's exciting when your friends do as well. and gives you a real rooting interest. So I'm still tuned in, and I enjoy it. I'm just having a laugh. Thanks, Coach Lee. We appreciate your support. And we appreciate your support of College Soccer Nation. (laughs) I I know you do, Matt. Yes. And you uh, you have an opinion on these job openings, right? Um, Yeah, I mean, I got a couple different opinions, uh, as always, on things. I mean, I I think in (laughs) in some of the cases, I mean, Billy, he's a fantastic human being. Yes. Five years ago, working ODP in South Carolina. He's the coach at Erskine when I got started at Furman. And to this day, I have not met a nicer guy in coaching and a more genuinely thoughtful and just an overall good person. Um, And he he passes the test of someone you want to coach your daughter. That's always the biggest one, you know, for me. And to me, over the last decade, maybe things are getting a little more ruthless in the sport. Um, So, you know, I hope Bill lands on his feet, which I'm sure he will, and be off. Yeah, no question. Um, but I got it. I just have a little quirky thing with ECNL San Diego coming up, right? So everyone not playing on the weekend, even the people who play on Friday will shoot out Saturday, Sunday, big tournament coaches on the sideline. 
what kind of jibber jabber blabbing middle school <laughs> uh, rumor mill is going to go on out there? I heard so and so freaking Tucky. Or uh, the one I love is so and so got offered the job. No, some search committee called him and they yeah, had, yeah. and they had one sentence. It doesn't, you didn't get offered the job or they didn't get offered the job. They just are doing their due diligence and yeah. actually going to search. Uh, but that's going to be hot and heavy. This week. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Rumor mill central. That's Rumor right. mill central is a really good point. It is. It is the, the, uh, the amount of people that will be offered the Georgia job or the Kentucky job before it's actually filled will be amazing. If you yeah. just go to the message boards. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Right. Or, or just stand on the sideline and or then, just stand on the sideline. Yeah. True. True. Yeah. And then the arguments about who's getting offered and how unqualified they are compared to the people standing in the circle. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. It's that uh, sure. world we live in. It is. It absolutely is. All right. All right, Chris. Let's, let's go well, after it. Just uh, a few big results. There weren't a ton of games, but there were some important games this past week. So I picked out a few of them for you, Brian, to, to think about. Um, Florida State beats Virginia 1-0. Michigan over Rutgers 1-0. Tennessee continues Arkansas's woes in the sec final three nil uh byu beats pepperdine one nil ucla huge win against usc three nil and st john's with the big upset over xavier which probably got him in um thoughts there brian well yeah i mean probably from an ncaa tournament standpoint the st john's run beating providence beating xavier uh probably the the actual biggest results of the week that didn't involve a trophy. I mean, for me, that certainly got him from off the bubble, probably to all the way in and fairly in to the tournament. And then that UCLA USC showdown, you know, the top end of PAC 12 is as good as it gets. It's right there with the top end of the ACC huge win for Cromwell and UCLA. And that's the quietest unbeaten team in the country um, for sure. And then the dual upsets Rutgers had gone unbeaten for Michigan to beat them in the final. That's a big deal. And then Arkansas, six straight by six different teams. Is that correct, Matt? That's correct. It is, that is amazing. That is the craziest. That makes the Buffalo Bills yeah. Super Bowls look, you know, yeah. sophomoric comparably. It's just, and it's a super interesting because how good did Arkansas look those first two games? And they did not, they didn't look like the same team in the mm-hmm. final. And I think that's happened a few times. But don't you think that has got to be so much pressure for those kids? knowing what's happened and they're all the same kids the last four years anyway, knowing yep. what's happened, knowing, you know, the history, everybody's talking about it. And then when they went down one, nothing, it's almost like, Oh no, is this really going to happen? Yeah. So, I, yeah. I mean, I do think it's twofold. It's a style of play thing. They work so hard three games in a week and that it's, it's impossible. But the thing with me with Arkansas, it never looks impossible after two games. Because every yeah. Orange Beach after two games, you're like, oh, this is the year. They got them. Yeah. And then yeah. the final starts, they go down a goal and they look dead and they can't move. Yeah. So, you know, it's conference tournaments, though. It's the three. I mean, when are we supposed to play three games in six days? Or yeah. That is. So the finals, you know, you see a few upsets, I think, in Michigan beating Rutgers, but people can't move when they get. Yeah, yeah but that came, that came, though. They had a week. Like that was a week. Wasn't that a week? That was a week they had. That's true. Right? Did they play Thursday? Or they have a semifinal Thursday? They did, and then fat travel them. It's just the yeah. final. 
but at least anyway. just a little yeah. more realistic. Yeah. All right. All so right. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the tournament. Uh, the, the bracket was announced yesterday afternoon. Everybody had their, their watch parties. Um, I'm hoping that nobody had a watch party who didn't get selected because that would be brutal for those kids. And there may have been some, I don't know. Um, but uh, in, in your mind, Brian, who, uh, who snuck in and who was left out? I mean, honestly, and not to go, you know, because Matt will be the first one to say the committee does a great job. Uh-huh. Uh, we got the right teams. Yeah, uh, That's right. We got the right teams. I really, I, I don't see an argument for anybody who didn't get in the field. I think the five Big East teams obviously raises some concerns or thoughts about it, but you got to find teams to replace them. So I don't see where the, where the teams left out. For me, my biggest complaint would be UCF, to be honest. And my second complaint would be Houston. Yeah. Um, and it would be against those couple, the last one or two Big East teams getting in. Not over like Alabama. I thought they were solid, even though they're probably a conversation piece for the bubble. But um, that's where the argument lays. And then, you know, the little RPI stuff, UCF was just too low in the RPI probably. But when you take the numbers off, that is so many good wins. And same thing with Houston. So many wins. So that, that's the only place I saw any discrepancy. But if I was in the room or if it was my choice, I'd probably take the same 64 teams in the end. Yeah, I think I think just looking at, at UCF and, and Houston, um, first of all, UCF played a fantastic schedule. I remember we talked about that way back when we tiff on. We talked about how difficult that, that schedule was. And they did pretty well. Um, but their RPI number just wasn't quite there. Right. Uh, so it, it, it tells you that certainly the RPI number had to be the thing that, that kept them out. Right. Houston, again, with a number of good wins. Um, but that, that non-conference strength, the schedule opposite of UCF, right. Really, really weak. And for me, again, not, not knowing what the discussion was, but that's probably what kept them out is, you know, opposite, like I said, opposite of UCF, but, but strength of schedule certainly does make a difference. You know, you know, it's it, as a little side note to this before you know, as you get into this, but you know, you talked about the watch parties, right? I don't know if you, and if you didn't see it, I would recommend you pull it up Alabama's Twitter. And they've got the film of the girls and they're all just the team in there. And they looked as depressed as they could possibly be. And they're one of the last teams announced in the, so they're watching the whole show and then they're, and they just, the, the euphoric, um, yeah. celebration was, was awesome. And that's, that's, that's really cool. It's really cool when, when you get that, because like Chris said, if you have one of those watch parties and you don't get in, it's awful, right? It's awful. Yeah. So uh, that was pretty cool though. Just side note, side note, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. The about other thing with the field selection is the RPI is not, um, you know, people complain about the formula. The formula is fine. Hey, we don't play enough games, but the formula is fine. The, the area it has flaws in is geographic bias. Yes. So there's a West Coast Agreed. bias, there's a Northeast bias. So you do get clusters of teams like the Ivy and the Big East that can throw up maybe inflated numbers when other places, say this year, the West Coast, probably depressed numbers with the back end of the Pac-12 or, or the Pac-12 bubble teams, you know, because their RPIs were low. Sure. They're kind of in the Central Florida 
basket as well. So if it's got a flaw, that's where it is. But it, then again, and you know, if you're on the bubble, you're on the bubble. So, you know, it's very rare. I don't ever remember a case where a team that was solidly in had no arguments about it gets left out. Um, so yeah, I, I thought that it no, was- it's, a, it's a good point. You're on the bubble typically for a reason. You can look at the schedule and the results and figure out why they're on the bubble. Either lost some or they didn't win enough or, or whatever. But, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, fellas, if you want to get in the NCAA tournament, you have to have some wins. Yep. You have to have some wins. Yep. Yep. All and, right. Um, anything with uh, anything to jump out to you as far as the seeds go, Brian? No, I thought the seeds were good. I mean, I, I think TCU probably for their level is underseeded. I think they're they're better than that, but they're void of top 25 wins. And if you don't have top 25 wins, it's hard to be seeded really high. Uh, but I had the same thing. I thought they got the right 16 teams. The couple teams they skipped in the RPI, I, I think that's right. Uh, so okay. kudos to that committee. Oh, uh, they're, they're awesome. They're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, they are pretty I awesome. I got to agree with you, Brian. Just let, let me stop you right there, Chris. They are pretty awesome. This is yeah. a pretty awesome committee. No, I think most everybody was really happy with their draw. <laughs> and then, And then – there are some of us <laughs> who looked at who looked at it and went, "Oh, okay." That first one's really hard, man. I don't, I'm not sure about that first one. Oh, and guess what? If we do win the first one, we get a nice trip to Tallahassee, and you know, we can chase the ball around for ninety minutes. So, you know, Chris, you see, you don't know. No, maybe South Alabama wins. Maybe you don't have to go to Tallahassee. You wouldn't play them. <laughs> The, uh, Chris, I don't know what you're complaining about. All having a friend on that committee did for you. Matt, Matt's a great guy. He allowed you to get your postseason Thanksgiving plans all set. I did spend, uh, I did spend Thanksgiving in Tallahassee one year for the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I was there and, with uh, you, buddy. We were there together. Yeah, we uh, had Thanksgiving dinner at Boston Market. Boston yeah. Market. Yeah. <laughs> Only damn place open. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. All right. Uh, okay. So we, we've got the matchups in, in, in front of us. And I, I just want to highlight three or four of them and, and get your thoughts on some, on some of them because I think there's some good ones. There aren't a lot of good ones. That's the interesting thing to me. I don't think there are a ton of good matchups, but there are some for sure. Yeah. We got uh, spoiled last year. The, the real bracket spoiled us. That was yeah. awful. That's right. Here we are again. Yeah. All right. How about Wake and Harvard? What's your take on that one? I think that is probably, that is the game I highlighted as the most interesting game in uh, the first round, I thought, or I think, you know, with all three of the Ivies, three Ivy teams, two Big 12 teams, you're getting one of the middle to back ends, ACC entries. Um, You could argue Harvard's got more talent than Wake but it's at Wake and Wake's put up some big numbers, but their, their big number of wins <coughs> on lower RPI teams as well in the non-conference. So it's an intriguing game, push come to shove. I kind of like Harvard's chances. Okay. Virginia Tech, Ohio State. Yeah, I don't know. That's the, I don't know. And I don't really even want to watch it. I think is really what I think about that game from <laughs> Cagey coaches. I don't think that's going to be a thing of beauty. And I think Virginia Tech probably wins. What about you? 
Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think, you know, maybe you go just sort of strength of the ACC there, you know, and, and, and you lean towards that. But they're both, you know, mid-table in their league and, um, you know, both teams have had a couple of good wins and a number of losses. Um, I, I, I might lean just towards because of the strength of the ACC to, to Virginia Tech. Yeah. All right, here's a good one. Memphis, LSU. Oh, that's a great game. Uh, that that's a really good first round game, you know. Memphis, so much quality up front. <coughs> Pace, uh, what is it, Jones? Uh huh. Maya Jones. Yep. With with Boychuk, um, they're going to give LSU trouble. But same thing on the other end, Alexander and and uh, the LSU attacking kids and the numbers they rotate. Uh, I, I got no idea who's going to win that game, but it's that will be a good game to watch. That will be up and down, won't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lots of transition. Memphis sits so deep in transition. That's going to be interesting against LSU. There's loads of space to play in front of them, and the last thing you need is Alexander running at you. Sure, sure. Okay, and then uh, probably the uh, – at least as far as the names go, the biggest matchup, Santa Clara-Stanford. Uh, that, that's the matchup that says we're back to the regular NCAA tournament, right? Two of the good Bay Area teams, you know, sometimes Cal's in that mix as well. Stanford, Santa Clara, first round, that's brutal for them both. You know, let me put it this way. If Stanford, um, Stanford or Santa Clara was in the one quadrant that's got, what has got Rutgers, Arkansas in it, Santa Clara would be the favorite. It'd be like Virginia last year when they weren't seated in the 40th. And you looked at it and said, that's probably the favorite in that quadrant. And they're playing in the first round, you know. Yeah. So it's hard. The, the, the last two national champions playing each other in the first round. In the first round, a winner gets who? Uh, the winner gets Georgetown, Central Connecticut. Yeah. Winner. Unlucky for Georgetown. Well, and I, I mean, in the end of the day, it's what you're saying, Brian. It's the it's the uh, handcuffs that the NCAA, and then that's the NCAA, I mean, again, the, the membership is the one that puts the parameters in place. And it's the NCAA that has to has to hold the, the tournament accountable to it. And at the end of the day, it's 400 miles, and there just weren't enough West Coast or California teams close enough to each other to be able to change it. Believe you me, there was a ton of time spent on trying to not have that be a matchup. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, and I might be wrong. You just pick the teams and see the 16 and spit them into a computer, right? Right. And it spits out the matchups. There's no huge right. You know, really. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, we do, we do. Yes, but there's some uh, there's some ability to change some matchups, yeah. but very very little, very very yeah. little. So you can we'll get into a little bit more. Right. We didn't we didn't even say that, Chris, at the beginning. We have uh, uh, Scott from the, the Portland AD coming on with us, um, who's also on the committee to to talk about this kind of the the way when as well. So that'll be good. Okay. Those are the ones I got. Any, you got any other ones? Either one of you? Well, I got three kind of together that will define this five-bid Big East. You know, I think Georgetown's got a very winnable game. They deserve the first round, but then they run into Stanford, Santa Clara. So that's one of them. And Xavier probably walks through Wisconsin, Milwaukee, and then has Virginia. So their season's over. These three games <laughs> will define the Big East. St. John's versus Brown. Butler, Wisconsin, Providence versus Hofstra. If they don't win two of those, maybe Houston and Central Florida should have been in the field because 
Central Florida looks pretty good in those matchups. Yeah, I would think. It probably looks pretty good in those matchups. So are you not, Chris, are you not going to mention, are you not going to mention North Carolina, South Carolina? I I honestly don't think that's that much of a game. Uh, Okay. Carolina is just better. Okay. I I, I I agree with Chris entirely on that. The, you know, Carolina's had flaws, North Carolina, um, through the year. But South Carolina wobbled into the tournament. The Smiths are fantastic coaches, and they can keep any game close. But I I don't find that one one of the more intriguing ones of the first round either. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, it'll be interesting. We'll get a chance to uh, talk about it all next week. We got final four picks or not? You want final four picks? I feel like we got the bracket. I think we got to do that next week. I think that's got to be after next week. Get it down to 32. Get to the round to 32 and then see. After 32, we'll pick final four. Okay. Is that what Obama does before he gets <laughs> get to the round to 32? You know, he picks the Obama. Oh, that's right. He does. That's yeah. right. No, that's, that's right. fine. All right. Here we go. Upset of the week. You guys got any? I got one. Go ahead. Well, there's somebody on this podcast many, 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 many weeks ago picked a little team by Michigan as a sleeper in the Big Ten. And guess who hosted the trophy? After, mind you, don't forget now, Rutgers beat Michigan 4-1 earlier in the season. And then Michigan came back and knocked off Rutgers 1-0. So congratulations to the Wolverines, the Matt Mott pick as sleeper of the of the league uh, early in the season to get Michigan. a trophy. I believe that I'm the only one that picked a sleeper that won a trophy. Wait, now Michigan beating Rutgers is an upset? They beat him 4-1, Chris. 4-1 and early they, in the they year. They beat him 12-1. It still doesn't change whether it's an upset. I feel like it does. I don't think it does. Brian, a two, weigh in. Two, a two versus one is an upset. Well, this is two versus one because – Michigan maybe has better players than Rutgers. It's hard to upset. I mean, it's like saying, oh, Man City upsets uh, Barcelona, maybe, yeah. for example, today. But uh, Man City upset Chelsea. It's – No, no, no. Yeah, no, exactly. No. Oh, no. You guys just don't want to give me credit for my – you don't give me credit for my pick. Oh, as you, again, your, your definition of upset is just wrong, like usual. It's just wrong. How can you say that? Oh, but right, you guys go ahead. It's, it, it is. It is. If if they're the two seed and they beat the one seed, that's an upset. I know, but if it's upset of the week, you're looking for a big upset, not just like a. Little There's only bit so of many games, upset. Chris. There's only so many games. All right, now, go ahead, Brian. You're, goal, you're up. For <laughs> we're talking about a guy whose backyard bar is called Front Runners, and it's yes, I did in Yankees all over. Yes, so that's he's right. not really a go out on a limb. No. Uh, okay i can't wait to hear yours we'll uh, see how they do uh, where are we at upset of the week i'm it, we already talked about it a little but st john's running xavier and providence to get themselves to the ncaa tournament not one but two huge upsets that changed someone didn't make the field because they won those two games just wake me up when he's done chris i'm sleeping through this yeah i had fast. that one as well I oh wow yeah greatest ever <laughs> <laughs> and then that was mine. If you if you if I gotta go to another one and and two versus one is okay, I guess, right? Two I have no problem. One with it. is okay. Then I'll go then I'll go with Tennessee. Because oh, it was three God, how can that you makes do that? a big upset, you see? Uh, oh, the score counts. Oh, I didn't know. I, well, if you would have told me the parameters before, I would have been happy to follow them. 
no, score you, matters you too. You still would have got it wrong. Yeah, right. All right, team of the week. <laughs> I'll go. I got two. Can I have two? Sure. Team of the week is uh, number one is the undefeated, untied Sanford Bulldogs through the SoCon to get into the tournament. Congratulations. You <laughs> cannot go a week without we Sanford. So and, <laughs> and then uh, and then my other one is the Tennessee win through the uh, the tournament and win in the SEC in a, in, in a upset in the final, I guess. So congratulations to Brian in Tennessee on the SEC championship. We got Brian. Um, I mean, if I throw it out two, I, I throw out two and poor Chris, he's, I hope you had a list of eight or six. <laughs> but um, first one is UCLA claiming the Pac-12 championship and at the very least, second hardest conference championship to win, arguably the hardest right there with the ACC. Um, and then, you know, they've had a rough season, but Arizona over Arizona State. Oh, that's a good one. And, and, uh, big wins for the program for a first-year coach to get that win. And I, I saw in the recap that that's seven straight for Arizona. Yeah. Mm. You know, so huge win uh, for those guys and a nice, uh, you know, leaping off platform for them to get into spring soccer as, as they try and move forward. Yeah. Well, I was going to go with Michigan, but not as you already claimed them as the upset in his team. And so no one's allowed, no one else is allowed to talk about Michigan except for Matt. Okay, um, good. So like it. I'll go with BYU. Uh, that's a that's a big win against Pepperdine. And I, I think if I have this right, that gave them a share of uh, of the conference. Um, it did, yeah. Them and Santa Clara shared it. Yeah, yeah. Santa Clara won the tiebreaker, but yeah. uh, that gave them a share of the conference. And, you know, Pepperdine uh, was rolling along and at one point was, shoot, I think they're ranked as high as maybe fourth. Um, but BYU nips them here at the end and, and gets himself a share of the title. I, I gotta tell you, boys, you watch you watch that game. Those are two good teams, Pepperdine and BYU. You 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 know, if, Pep, if BYU's rolling, you don't want to see them in your bracket anytime early. That's for sure. They're they're a good side. They're uh, they'll be a tough out. All right, good. You got anything else there, right. Matt, for for Brian? Yeah, I've got nothing else for Brian. Any last words? Any anything you want to add? I know you don't know our our guest Scott Lakeham from uh, from Portland, but anything you anything? want to ask him? Yeah, uh, any questions? Um, no, you know what I think you should do? You should just throw out more plaudits. Hey, you did a great job. I did a great job. <laughs> you know, for everybody out there, it, it, being on that committee, that is a huge time commitment. And, yeah. you know, the, nobody's getting paid to do that. And I don't even know how much a resume booster it is for anybody. It is a little bit of a, it's definitely just a, a passion project for everybody on it. So, you know, I, I appreciate everybody on that committee. And I, I do think this year they did do a great job of getting the right teams and, and the seeds. I no argument either. So uh, very much uh, interested in listening to what he's got to say. Very good. All right. And All right, right. Hey, can you guys quiz him a little on Portland soccer? You know, we're going to talk about Portland soccer. Yeah. 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 And the history with Clive, all that. Yes, stuff. absolutely. Unique yeah. place. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah, really is. All right, Brian, thanks so much for your time and your commitment to College Soccer Nation. We appreciate all the effort you do to put in to continue to make this podcast probably the number one pod soccer podcast in the world. So Certainly we appreciate the number it. number one uh, women's college soccer podcast in the world, I think. I, I don't think. Know if there's anyone to nudge. But, hey, good luck to you two this week. Thank uh, you, Brian. Chris, I yeah. love the, uh, you know, Furman Rice last year. And now you got Texas. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, huh? That is interesting how that works out. Yeah. All right. Good luck, guys. That uh, computer just knows. 
Yeah. See you, Brian. All right, Chris, very excited to uh, bring in Scott Lakeham. He is the vice president of athletics at Portland, University of Portland. Um, and he's on the women's soccer committee with me. He just spent a whole weekend with me. I'm sure he's excited to get back on a Zoom call and listen to me some more. But um, Scott, welcome to College Soccer Nation. We're really happy to have you with us. Thanks, Matt. I get to see you four days in a row. I bet you that's good <laughs> or bad. Hey, uh, the first thing we always like to do, Scott, is if you wouldn't mind, take some time. And, and obviously, as an athletic director, or sorry, a, a vice president for athletics, which is an awesome title, can you walk us through kind of your career path, kind of how it started in athletics, and then got you here to the, the University of Portland? Yeah, actually, um, stepson of a high school girl soccer coach. So I've been around Ooh. soccer um, since I was a little tyke. Uh, he dragged me to practices, and I played and was a, a poor goalie that didn't get very far in the club scene. Um, mm. But I actually started as a sports writer. I thought that that was going to be my career path. Um, went to St. Mary's College in the, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, had a full-time sports writing job right out of school and then, you know, was lucky enough just a couple months into that gig to be offered a job at Stanford University in, in their PR department. Um, was the women's soccer SID, so we're going back fall of 95, so it was Ian Sawyer on oh, the yeah. women's side and Colin Lindoris on the men's side yeah. and um, was an SID at, at Stanford for seven, eight years, so Steve Swanson, Bobby Clark, I learned a lot about soccer from those two guys, um, moved into development at Stanford uh, and ran the scholarship fund there for a number of years. And then I uh, had the opportunity uh, when a friend of mine, Jamie Zaninovich, who I came up with at Stanford, um, Jamie's now the deputy commissioner at Pac-12. When he was named WCC commissioner, I, I went with Jamie, uh, oversaw men's and women's soccer uh, at the WCC for four years at with some great minds in that room, you know, Jerry Smith and Jen Rockwood and Cam Rast and, and others. And uh, uh, this job opened up in 2012. Um, thought I would never leave the Bay Area. One thing led to another. And um, Father Bill Beauchamp, uh, who was our president at the time, um, convinced my wife and I and three very small kids to move up here. And, and 10 years later, still here. Um, soccer is one of my passions, a sport I enjoy. So this is a uh, a great city to be to be a part of it uh, with our men's and women's programs and the Timbers and Thorns, obviously. And we have a cool niche. I think you guys know this is one of the best facilities in the country. So we have a lot of elite professional teams from all across the world, uh, men's and women's, Bayern Munich and Tottenham Hotspur and Manchester City and the Brazilian women's Olympic team was here over the summer that come through here. And it's I mean, for somebody like me, that's kind of a soccer geek. It's a really cool place. Yeah, I, I, I think University of Portland is is uh, a special place in 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 college soccer for sure. And I, I want to talk to that, uh, talk about that. I'm going to get to that. But first, I want to talk a little bit about the the committee. Um, and the first, I guess, the first question I have for you is: You get into Indianapolis, you come into and sit down in a room. And unfortunately, you have to sit next to Matt over the course of three days. What is it like sitting next to Matt during those environments? Uh, like having your wisdom teeth pulled with no pain medication. <laughs> Chris, you started out with the hard-hitting questions. The hard-hitting questions about working them in. No, How's it all, uh, I learned a lot from Matt. I think, you know, I'll pick his brain a lot. And I pick, you know, Michelle French, Frenchie, our coach. I pick her brain a lot. And, 
I, I'm an RPI geek. Um, I enjoy the the science of it. I enjoy team sheets across all sports and kind of the science of how teams get into the tournament. I think as an AD, you need to understand that when you hire coaches and, and how you can be successful guys, I think is important. But for Matt and Frenchie and Jen Klein, who's fantastic, and Aaron Chastain, who was on the committee, who's great, like, who do you not want to play? What makes this team good? What makes this site hard? Um, that's where I can learn from the coaches. I, I think it's nice to have that blend. I think we should have more coaches in the room. If you ask me, I think it should be a more even split. Um, but I appreciate that perspective because you guys are in the trenches every night. Tell me about, uh, obviously, there's always a little bit of controversy, a controversy over selection. There's always going to be you know, those teams that were really close and didn't get in that maybe some people think should have got in and, and you're always going to have that. But the two that stood out for me, you know, were probably Oregon and, and Houston. Um, I think both were pretty close. Can you give us a little bit, a little bit of insight into those discussions on those teams? Yeah, I think, I think, again, it was, it was very close. Um, I'll say, I think one thing that, that hurt the West coast a little bit. And I saw some numbers is the West didn't play out of region as much this year. Um, I think I, uh, I saw a stat that, you know, two years ago we played 19% of our matches out of region um, as a group. And this year it was like 11 or 12%. Um, so what that means is we beat each other up. And I think you saw a little bit of that in the RPIs and, you know, there wasn't a clear winner in the WCC Pac-12 was 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 bundled, so I, I think there, it was hard. I mean, I, you look at some of these team sheets. I think for Oregon and Houston, especially Chris, is, you know, there's some schools that were 50 to 75 on their RPI sheet or 100 plus that you guys know when you schedule those games, you say, golly, that's a top 25 game or that's a top 50 game, and then on November 7th, it's 102 in the RPI, and people call yeah. it a bad loss, and I. I hate that. And, you know, especially, you know, I'll say what I can here, but, but Oregon there, the PAC 12, there was a bunch of teams in 51 to 75 that like 51 to hundred that there's no way you think all those teams are going to be in that. So I, that's right. I think some of it was bad luck, um, honestly. And um, the teams on the other side of the Mississippi, the, the right half had, you know, a lot of them had more top 25 wins. I think you get, into the room and a perspective and Matt will appreciate this. And this happens in all, in all sports is you have some people that, you know, use the RPI more judiciously than others, right? It's, Hey, who's next, right? Um, if 37 got in then 38 is next. And I think that that's the way some people look at it um, for me personally. So I don't get in trouble. This is my personal view. You look at the RPI at the start and then I kind of morph into what the team sheet looks like. Um, the left column wins, the that 26 to 50 wins. And I'm really big as an AD because I've been in your shoes and I sign all the scheduling contracts. Is what did a school try to do, right? I mean, if all of your top 50 games are in your conference, that means I think you might have been a little lazy in non-conference and didn't try to shoot for it, right? You didn't yeah. try to shoot for a sheet, a seed, or you didn't think you'd be an at-large. Um, I respect even if there's a couple of losses there, the schools that said, hey, I'm going to go after it, right? And like Matt's a good example. Matt doesn't have to play Samford. I mean, it, it was a top 50 win. That's a really good team. 
We yep. both know it, but there's risk there. Matt, Matt beats a team like that. Oh, you're supposed to beat it. You lose to them. We all know, hey, that I mean, that's not a bad loss. That's a really good team. But I admire those coaches that that when they schedule, it's like, hey, I'm gonna take a shot at it. On the other hand, the the ones that frustrate me are the ones that are rebuilding that take a big shot at it, right? right. Um, that <laughs> you know, that end up struggling and not winning many games because that hurts everybody else in your league, right? right. The, the school that that finishes the year at four and fifteen or three and sixteen or whatever that you know played a top fifty non-conference schedule when they're a two fifty, like those schools need to do it too. And uh, when I ran uh, women's soccer at the WCC, we talked a lot about we didn't talk to everybody about scheduling together. It was groups, and it's schedule the best team you can beat because if you're in the SEC, you're going to help Matt, even if you're going to get rolled in the SEC if you win five, six, seven games in non-conference, Matt benefits from that record, not your RPI, but the fact you went out and won games. Um, mm -hmm. And I think we're starting to see that in our league a little bit, that everybody is, you know, 150, 125, that our bottom is, is creeping up toward the top 100. That's because everybody's got to go out and do their business in non-conference. And that could mean playing very different people. Right, right. Yeah. Um, all right, Scott, uh, we want to know about um, how are the teams paired up to play each other? <laughs> how do you figure all that out? Yeah. This was Chris's question. Yeah. <laughs> nice dish there, Matt. <laughs> uh, well, and I, I think it's important um, that we pull this out of just women's soccer. This is just about every sport, right? Outside of the, mm -hmm. the, the basketball enterprises, there are bracketing principles out there. Right. Um, so we obviously we see the top 16. I thought that that was harder this year, guys, than normal. Um, I thought the top crust was pretty clear. I thought the ones were pretty clear. Twos and threes weren't easy, but I, I feel I still feel we got it right. The fours, there was uh, usually you have, I think, 20 teams for 16 seeds. I think this year we were pulling some teams into the seed pool because it was it, it wasn't easy to figure out who those 16 were. Once you're done there, that bracketing principle of, you know, 400 miles. Um, yeah. So if you're within 400 miles of an opponent, that, there's a good chance you play them. And um, I'll be speaking from my WCC days here. You know, Santa Clara, you know, playing Stanford's tough. That's not that, – that's, yeah. yeah. that's a very difficult matchup yeah. for both in the first round. But Jerry's done that with – Stanford and Cal probably more times than he can count on all his fingers and toes. That's mm -hmm. they're close. So that's who they're going to pair you with. And I mean, I feel bad, you know, Sacramento state, whenever they make it, they go to Stanford and Irvine's going to go to UCLA or USC, but um, there are principles to, to keep teams regional um, in that opening round, obviously to keep conference opponents away from each other, the first two rounds. Uh, and then it kind of falls as they, they will, but Chris, you're in a spot where, Obviously, there weren't a lot of Texas teams in there this year. So there's, you know, there's within 400. And, and Matt, you know, I leaned to him a couple of times. He knows that the universe of teams he's going to play if he's hosting is the same three, four, or five. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, that's the way it's, it's going to be. Um, you try to protect the seeds the best you can. But the, the regionality is, I mean, you can say you like it or you hate it, but it's the way it is. Well, uh, I'll, I'll just add to that. We're the ones that can change that, right? I think yeah. the, the, the one other thing that's, um, 
one other thing that's important to remember there is I think people liked last year a lot. Like Matt and I, Matt and right. I were kids in a candy store with that bracket because we could put Montana against South Carolina in the first round. That matchup won't happen as long as the 400 mile thing is in place. So last year we got to really kind of shake it around and have fun. This year we're back to normal. Yeah, I, I would add too that the, the the thing that makes it hard is nine ACC teams, seven SEC teams. I think seven, maybe six or seven Big Ten teams that can't play each other in the first two rounds. So you look at those ACC teams; they're all so many of them were right there in North Carolina. Well, then you have the the mileage restriction and and. And then they can't play each other for two rounds. So now we got to fly them around and we got to limit the flights. And these are parameters. We get a lot of people hammer the NCAA. It's not the NCAA, it's the membership that puts the parameters in place. And the NCAA has to follow them. It's their job. So, uh, you know, you want to, you want to bang on the NCAA. It's not that it's the membership. Right. And so, um, but those parameters are difficult when you start talking about nine, nine ACC teams that can't play each other for two rounds. That makes it really tricky. So there are some parameters that are, are make make the the pairings very, very difficult. Matt, and I, I tell people the same thing. I mean, if you want to blame mm-hmm. the association, blame yourself. Because yeah. we're all yeah. part of the association, right? If the if the Lakers want to blame the NBA, they could blame themselves because they're part of that association too. I mean, that's yeah. it's the reality of it. But it is, you, you know, I know and I understand why it's a shock to people's systems to see. Santa Clara play Stanford and the North and South Carolina to, to play each other. But there's, there's a reason it happens. And I think people need to know, and Matt and I see this, the staff, they do the best they can. The staff they are do. given principles from the schools and this is what they have to follow. And the, the staff that advised the committee, they are really good and they're really patient to put up with Matt and I for three days, but they, <laughs> they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Let me, uh, I want to ask a little more about that. Um, first of all, and you'll you'll know more about this than most of the than most of the coaches. But didn't the NCAA just sign some kind of billion dollar contract with uh, CBS? Yes, they can't throw us ten thousand dollars for an extra flight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on! Uh, all, uh, again, we're the association, Chris. And yeah, so money, how do we change that? That's the question I have I mean, for you. How, that how money do we get does come back. Yeah, no, it's a good question. And. Um, <laughs> I get that question from my coaches here too. Um, The association kicks back the money to the schools already. And it kicks back a majority to the division one institutions. Um, We get it. Some of it for academics, right? We get some of it for student athlete opportunity funds. We're getting some of it for APR performance. Now Um, it, it has to come from the board and it has to come from the championship oversight committee that says, Hey, instead of this distribution, we're going to put X amount of dollars uh, back into the championships for this purpose. Like the thing you got to remember is it's not just one championship, right? And right. that, that right. money multiplies by 20, 30, 40 when you consider all the D1 championships and maybe some D2 or D3. I mean, you, you think we heard from the bracketing principles, the D2 and D3 schools feel it even more. Um, mm-hmm. So it would have to be more than just fixing women's soccer. It's fixing the other 90 plus championships in this regard and you don't see any movement there do you well not now because there's so much other stuff going on right yeah. the, the nca constitutional review took its first step yesterday and and what they said um you know could lead to to some corrections or alterations here is each division is going to be able to kind of monitor themselves and govern themselves and come up with their own set of rules and i don't think it's right away but 
what could happen through championships is division one says, Hey, we, we got to fix this part. But that being said, the championship's great. It oh, works. Yeah. I mean, if that's, if that's our biggest flaw, we're doing all right. Um, but it, it is one, especially when you have, you know, the two matchups we talked about that get people talking, but overall, I think, I'm not just saying the CTA does an amazing job at hosting this and putting this together and giving student athletes an experience they want to be a part of. Um, that's why it hurts when your team's 65 and 66 and don't get yeah. in. Yeah. 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 We got Matt. Is it me, Chris? Yeah, yeah. All right. So, Scott, let's just take a little break from this a little bit and let's discuss the horror that was Sunday night's dinner plans. <laughs> <laughs> so I got I got to explain it to the listeners. So oh. Scott and I were there till late hours Saturday night, and then Sunday we got in refreshed, feeling good. We and in between, kind of the way things go, and the games are on, we're kind of we have some time there, and we said, "Hey, let's go. Let's get a let's get a reservation for St. Elmo's, right? St. Elmo's. Everybody's been to Indy is a fantastic steakhouse, right, Chris? Yeah, fantastic, right? So Scott goes on. He goes, "What do you think?" I go, "Go the latest we can." So 9.45, we have a reservation for 9.45 at St. Elmo's. It's like 3 o'clock, okay? They serve us dinner at 6. I eat one breadstick, Chris, one breadstick, okay? Because I know we're going – and we're, we're cruising. Like, this thing's cruising. Yeah. Well, then the games end. We get the field done. We get the sweets, the 16 teams in. We're ready to roll. They put it in the computer to spit it out of what you're doing. And then what happens, Scott? What happens is we didn't finish till close to 1030. So I, the the toughest thing I did all weekend was press cancel on that reservation. (laughs) So then the the rest of the story is we race over and Matt and I don't race fast. We're we're not not the most uh, agile of people and uh, go across the street to the the restaurant at the JW Marriott, which has stopped serving food, but generously brings up chips and salsa and the chips were, um, ghost pepper hot. Uh, the spiciest <laughs> chips you've ever had. Matt was sweating after one chip. So Matt had one chip and one breadstick for dinner. I seriously, Chris, I took a bite and I had ordered a, a Diet Coke. I took a bite and it was so hot. I, and the, the bartender was nowhere to be found. I thought I was going to have to run to the bathroom to get water in my mouth to drink some water because it was so great. I, I think spicy. you had five Diet Cokes in 12 minutes. <laughs> I did. I did. And so uh, it was miserable. So a, a, a breadstick good. and a a, um, a a chip was what I had. It was I was very hangry, very very hangry, very hangry. All right, let's move on, Chris. All right. to put that in there. Is there uh, has there been discuss? I think there has been discussion. Or can you kind of fill us in? Is there any plan or thought to combine the college cup with the men? It's one of those things, Chris, I think that we've, you know, we've discussed a lot and it's being discussed in a number of sports, to be honest, it's come up in, in basketball as, as part of the Kaplan gender equity review as well. Um, it's one of those things that I think, you know, COVID just kind of put a hold on, um, to be perfectly honest, that, and I'm sure you guys have talked about this ad nauseum, the whole fall spring season, right. Thing that was mm-hmm. being pushed, especially on the men's side. Um, yeah, no, I, I think Cary is the location, right? I mean, it could be at Oklahoma City, Omaha type of deal where it's somewhere that's a destination and, and you want to go. I think the two questions to that are one, how does that, well, three, how does that work for ESPN and time slots and doing things in the same weekend? Because 
TV remains important, and I'm not sure that works. Two is the field. You know, how many games do you want to put on the field in that um, short amount of time? I think that's a concern. And, and three, for, for somebody like me that's tucked uh, far away from you guys on the left coast is I really, really like moving the College Cup around. Um, and the idea of having it Santa Clara, San Jose this year and looking at other West Coast sites in the future, I think it's good for the game, right? And I, I think it's good for the club tournaments and the things that go on um, around the event. So, you know, you know, for me, I think personally, again, not saying anything, I'd love to see it in carry, you know, two out of every four years, three out of every four years and rotate around. I just don't think we've fully looked at, you know, is it good for field? Is it good for TV? Is it good for soccer exposure uh, around the country? Um, I, I still, I, I'm interested in the fall spring season. I'd love for the women and the men to start on the same week of the year. I think there's some things we need to get to, but I'll be honest. I think everything kind of stopped with COVID and now with the constitutional review and some other things, I just, I, I don't see it happening right away. Yeah. You know, Scott, and I, I don't know this answer, but you know why um, we, and in the, in the second weekend, and then in obviously, and I think you just answered for the final four, but why is it, why is it Friday, Sunday, instead of Thursday, Sunday, we play Thursday. Yeah, so I everybody, think it, I think it's, I think it's cause that's the way it's always been. Yeah. I'm impressed you didn't know something cause you, you kind of you know it all. It is shocking actually. I don't believe that. Hey, that's the way it's always been. I think some of it's a, a, a time slot deal with TV, obviously. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, I'm all for Thursday, Sunday. I think that's something there, or even a, a Wednesday, Sunday that, that we right. have to look at, but I, I would imagine that that that's something that probably not when I'm still on the committee, but that happens. Right. Point. Yeah. Cause that's how we all play now. Right. Right. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me send you a follow-up question to that. Scott, and then I'll let you go, Chris. Um, and I think this is a, a three-person discussion, really, and I'd like your opinion too, Chris, but, and you touched on it a little bit, Scott, but I think even if we weren't with the men, does it make sense for us to make it an eight, like we did, kind of like we did last year with an eight-team, quote-unquote, college cup, right? So it's, it's, it, when you have baseball has the Omaha and softball has the, the Oklahoma City, and now it's an eight-team kind of college cup where um, you figure out the timing. Is it, is it you know – Monday, Thursday, Sunday, or, or something like that, but make it a bigger event for the women. Maybe not necessarily with the men, but a bigger event for the women. My opinion is a hundred percent because I do think, uh, I do think having eight teams recognized as the top eight teams in our sport is, 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 is where we are. And I, I think it's important. What's your thoughts, Scott? I like it from a fan perspective. And we've uh -huh. talked about that here. I think it's brilliant because you could go, Right. You could go Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday. Right. Yeah. Like kicking or Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, probably to stay away from college football on TV, obviously. Yeah. But it gives you two weekend games, which are going to be better draws. Wednesday, you're probably going to get better TV time slots because you're not competing with with Thursday football or what have you. But I I'm big on growing the game. I think mm -hmm. that's what we, that's what we got to do with all championships. Right. And it's a tough time of year because college basketball has started. You're into the college football championship games, but I love the idea of having two weekends and, and being able to showcase. I mean, I like the, and you guys are going to hate this, but 
you know, I, I wish we'd look at turf for some of these games too. I mean, I, mm. I think it, I think a Providence Park, which you know, maybe they go grass someday over here. But can you think of the Timbers Army and the the environment in a city like this mm. that would be a lot of fun? Um, I, I'd like to route it to places where we know we're gonna we're gonna get fans. Yeah, be cool. Well, I uh, actually coached in a Final Four in Portland um, at, at Merlo in uh, a long time ago, 1994. Um, and, and I really got to experience uh, the passion that the University of Portland has for soccer, both men's and women's. And, you know, back in those days when Clive Charles was, was around and uh, who was a, was a friend and, and we actually played three years in a row, I believe in, in the, uh, in the final four. Uh, but I found Portland to be a great place for soccer, both men's and women's. And, you know, the, the university supports it, uh, extremely well. Um, it's been, it's been a while since I've been there, but I'm sure they still do. Um, became pretty good friends with Bill Irwin, you know, for a while and actually brought him with me, one of the national teams that I coached. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the University of Portland. Tell me about how's it going out there on, on uh, the soccer uh, uh, the soccer programs. It's going well. I, our, our men's team has uh, been counseling our men's coach, um, Nick Carlin Voigt, who's brought us to a couple of tournaments and, and came from UCLA. You know, we're probably just above the bubble, but not far from the bubble. And counseling him on just focus, controlling what you can control, right? <laughs> I mean, I I feel for him because I, I know what that's like from the other side and, and working through there. On the women's side, um, Michelle French, Frenchie was, has been a great ad for us from a, was a player, played for Clive, uh, was assistant coach for the U.S. national team. We had our best year in a couple of years this year, had a great win over Santa Clara, which was on alumni night with a lot of our great former players there. Uh, but it's, this is a special place in a special city, as you guys know, where I mean, soccer's a thing and soccer's important and it's destination viewing. And uh, it, it's nice to play such a big role in the community that way. Are you still, because uh, again, the times that I, I, I played out there and we played in the regular season a couple of times, um, the crowds were fantastic. I mean, I don't know if COVID has maybe maybe hurt that and, and that kind of thing. But <laughs> COVID's so hurt us. Um, competition in the marketplace has hurt us, right? I mean, the the there <laughs> when you were here, that there was no Timbers, no, um, no, who have sold out every game in ten years, right? And the Portland Thorns get fifteen, eighteen thousand. Yeah. And I, I think a thing that's um, thing that's hurt us going back to kind of schedules is now with this Wednesday Saturday thing. Um, we had four nights that went up against the thorns and, and our people are good and loyal, but our season ticket holders do both, right? Because Christine Sinclair is playing downtown too, but early in the year, weather's good. I mean, there, there aren't many seats available when it's pouring down rain. <laughs> <laughs> the ad doesn't even go <laughs> uh, that's great let's go for Newton. press boxes huh, huh? <laughs> yeah exactly um what's the name of the italian place we like downtown portland piazza italia yeah chris we were talking about that the pesto at that place remember when we took the texas team there to that little oh yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, it's fantastic yeah. That's and fantastic. that was Harry Merlo, Merlo Fields. Yes, that's right. Friends with Clive Charles. Chris, I'm sure yeah. you met Harry many a time. Was I, a, I did. 
uh, a dear a dear friend, but uh, that was Harry's place, and he's Harry still has a table in there oh, with his great. picture over his chair. But that's, oh, that's uh, wonderful. The cool thing about that place is the kitchen isn't in the restaurant. The kitchen is in a different <laughs> building across yeah, the alley. Yeah, that's right. You got to walk all your food across the alley. It's a little different, uh, but it's uh, crazy. Place. Yeah. yeah. Well, Scott, take just a minute or two and, and give us a little sales pitch on the University of Portland. Well, great school. Um, Holy Cross School, uh, sister school of uh, Notre Dame. Um, you know, we're, we're true to our values, small liberal arts school in what we think is one of the best cities in America and also one of the sports best sports cities in America with Nike, Adidas, Columbia Sportswear. Um, we're a destination for a lot of kids that want to work in the industry that are student athletes that want to stay here. Um, you know, when kids graduate here, two of our top five employers are Nike and Adidas. Um, so uh, a very special place. And and we have the lineage you would expect in the state of Oregon, um, soccer and running, which are, are are two hallmarks here. You and I don't do a lot of the running. Part. No, no. We like, <laughs> uh, we like the, the soccer part. Um, and I think it's also neat. We're in a league that hasn't had a lot of movement over the years and, um, and schools that are very much like each other that, that, that compete. Um, you know, the Santa Clara's and the, the Gonzaga's and the Pepperdine's it's a league when you've, when you've been with people 40 years, it creates some really neat rivalries. Um, and, and also being on the same page, I think with COVID, what was neat about this league in this city was we were all, we weren't worried about competing against each other. We were worried about getting back on the field. And I think that's why we were able to do it successfully. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Um, and and uh, try tip tonight for dinner. What are we having for dinner? Are we cooking anything? Uh, tonight is burritos, I think. Oh, uh, nice. Amy's nice, in nice. charge tonight, but I think it's burritos. I'm going to uh, watch our uh, – we have a new basketball coach. We're playing at Arizona State tonight, so I'm going to watch awesome. us do that. Love Good it. Good luck. Yeah, Scott, thanks for all your work on the Appreciate committee, it. obviously. Thanks for coming on. I will say this, Chris, we're sitting in the JW Marriott uh, at 11 o'clock. Hey, uh, you know, Scott Clifton and I, I said, okay, one of you two has to be on the uh, on the podcast with me on Monday, and, and, and uh, Scott lost the coin toss. So uh, he, had to, yeah. he had to come out. Sorry about yeah. that. Sorry yeah. about that. Yeah. Well, Clifton <laughs> actually asked if he could come on without Matt. He was assured that could happen. So <laughs> Yeah. Good man. All right. All right. Thanks, yeah, guys. exactly. Exactly. Right. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. All right, Chris. Power five time. I didn't introduce this at the beginning either. I apologize. We got too much into the excitement of the NCAA tournament. But this is a good one. This is a good one. This is people will line up to hear this, right? This is the power five is sandwiches. Yes. <laughs> this is a good one. I, I like this one. Our, uh, our producer is disgusted. <laughs> disgusted with us. As you look at him, he's already shaking his head. All right, here we go. We'll go back and forth like we do. Okay. So you want to go first or second here? I'll go first. All right. Your number five sandwich. My number five is a very simple club sandwich. I like the club. What 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 kind of club? What kind of club? I feel like we're gonna have the we're gonna have a lot of the same ones. But but I've eaten a lot of sandwiches with you. I mean the club, you know, it's got like the triple decker. Yeah, you know, totally. I love that. But with the turkey and ham and cheese and yeah. See, I don't I don't like ham on mine. I want just turkey. I want just turkey. Okay. Um, I like the turkey club is is down the list for me. All right, my number. That's my number four actually. My number five is you know some people might call me a simple person, Chris. Yeah. Not very not very elaborate. My the producer is agreeing with that. 
Yeah. My number five is the toasted peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Simple, yeah, eloquent. Hits all the spots. Matt, I think it's delicious. Matt, like this. Do you know Matt, the definition so of eloquent? better than that. You are so much better than that, Matt. I, I, I'm not, though. I can't believe that you went to peanut butter and jelly. I mean, you... I like peanut butter and jelly. I, 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 just, I can have a peanut butter and jelly all day long. At breakfast, <laughs> lunch, dinner. No problem. I'm disappointed. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> okay. All right. My number four was the turkey club. So what's your number four? My number four is a roast beef sandwich. You get a roast beef sandwich, especially like up north, right? You get like a nice, got a little red red meat in it. You know, put a little maybe some Swiss on there, put some uh, mayo on there. I like a roast beef sandwich. It's okay. Doesn't do a lot for me. Doesn't do a lot for me. It's okay. I mean, I, I got to tell you, um, when you were when you were going there, I was thinking about like beef on wick. Now that's a sandwich. I came a wick roll. Uh-huh. I don't have my list, but that's a good sandwich. All right. Uh, my number three. I know this is going to be on yours somewhere. Yeah. Philly cheesesteak. It is not on mine. Wow. Really? Not on mine. You, let, it's just for the listeners to know, Chris, when we were in Philly, took yeah. us to the, the, the famous, um, what is it? Tim? Tim? What is it? Gino's. Gino's Philly cheesesteak. It was freezing cold. Freezing yeah. cold. Jumped in a cab. Took us forever to get there. We got out. We went and had it, but we had to sit outside. There's no inside dining. It was a great Philly cheesesteak, but wasn't as exciting. It was. It wasn't as exciting as I thought it'd be, but it was good. Sorry All right, that. that's right. Your number three. My number three is the Italian. Yeah, that's on my list. I like the Italian. How can you not? It's not. That's my number one. It's it's by far the best sandwich. Um, all right, your number two. It, or my number two. My number two is. Meatball hoagie. Oh. You don't have that's that on my there? Number one. Okay. Number yeah, one. So we don't have the same sandwiches. But let me tell you about the meatball hoagie with Chris and I at Hog. Was it Hog Deli? What was the name of that place? In what was Austin. The name of that place? Hog Hog Island Deli? Hog, Hog Island? Island, yes. Hog, Hog Island. Island Deli. So one of my first days at Texas working for Chris, I had just gotten all this nice gear. I'm wearing a nice white. Uh, and burnt orange polo. I got khaki pants on. I got my burnt orange white Nike shoes on. Chris takes me to this place and says, hey, they got the best meatball sandwich. Best. So I get this meatball sandwich. I take a bite. Meatball comes out of the back of it, down my shirt, down my shorts, onto my nice shoes. <laughs> Second or third day in Texas. It's great. Uh, but fantastic. I'm with you meatball sandwich. And then my number one is the Italian, which again, you cannot go wrong with Italian anywhere you go, yeah. especially add a little extra mayo on there. You really got something. All right. Yeah. What's your one? Well, meatball was one. My number two oh. was the chicken parm. Oh, pizza dentist. I like chicken that you parm. mentioned that. That he has the best pe- chicken parm ever. So, Chris, let me ask you this on, the, on our sandwiches. Yeah. What is your favorite sandwich from where? And I don't I think I can answer that, Matt. I don't, I don't, I can't answer that. That's disappointing. I'm sorry. I can't answer that. That's disappointing. That's, uh, mainly because I very rarely eat sandwiches anymore, but <laughs> I, I don't, I can't really answer it. That's disappointing. I, I got to think, I thought about this long and hard today. I think yeah. mine is the Italian at Jersey Mike's. Yeah, it's pretty good. That is the best sandwich. I mean, the other thing is the Italian at Publix is excellent. Yeah, too. it's pretty good. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So there you go. I don't think there's a lot of debate in this one. Well, I'll just say this on the uh, eve or close to the eve of the NCAA tournament, 
that you spent a lot of time today thinking about <laughs> what your favorite sandwich was. Well, let me tell you why. I got, I got to tell you why. I got to tell you why. Okay. So it was a miserable time in Indianapolis eating because we're just so busy. And we'll get into that more with Scott. But yesterday I planned, I flew from Indianapolis to Charlotte. In Charlotte is a Jersey Mike's. So I only had like an hour and 10 minutes between fights. So we land a little bit late. So I'm rushing to the Jersey Mike's to get my dinner, right? It's The it's guy like, in there it, who said, hey, go for a big guy or last yeah, night. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same here, Mark. Yeah, you got this big guy yeah. when I was running through the airport. Yep. So I rushed to the Jersey Mike's. I'm so excited. I'm starving hungry. So excited. Chris, there had to be 40 people in line. Yeah, had to be. those lines at Charlotte are long. Oh, I was so depressed. And so I didn't get my Jersey Mike. So I've been thinking about it since then. Yeah. Pretty exciting. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Good. Let's move it on. Move it on. What are we looking forward to this week, Matt? I think it's pretty clear, Chris. I think We've got the St. Louis Billikens here. We haven't had a home game in six years. And, uh, and it's a tough task. I think St. Louis is a very, very good team. And will press us and kind of stretch us to the limits. And we're going to have to be good in everything we do and, and hopefully uh, find a result. But um, certainly looking forward to playing back home. And what a weekend it is here in Oxford. You've got um, you've got our game Friday, men's basketball plays Friday night, women's basketball play Friday night, uh, volleyball plays Friday night. We have college game day is in town for the big football game on Saturday for, for um, Ole Miss for – Texas A&M, and then you obviously have a football game Saturday. So it, it's on here in Oxford. This is the place to be in the South um, on this weekend for sure. Okay. That sounds like that's fun. what I'm looking forward to. All right. You? We have the uh, Texas Longhorns coming to town. Nice. Uh, so that'll be that game will be Sunday at one. Um, should be. Are oh, nice you playing crowd. Sunday? Yeah. Uh, on Sunday. Yeah. It should be a nice okay. crowd. It should be a good game. Uh, they got some really, really talented players. Uh, but our kids are excited. I know they're excited about playing in the NCAA tournament, playing Texas. So should be a, should be a fun day. Yeah, it's, it's just it just cranks it up, doesn't it? Sure Getting the tournament, it just cranks it up. So very exciting. All right, well, let's take it out. Uh, thanks, Darren, producing us. Oh, as always, DJM Productions. We appreciate you guys listening. Sorry it's on a Tuesday, but with the, with the selection show and the travel, travel plan, just say Chris and I couldn't get to it. Happy to put that out there for you today. Good luck to all the teams still playing. Good luck to everybody in the tournament. Good luck to you, Chris. We'll talk to you probably next Monday uh, with a recap of what went on on the, on the big exciting weekend. College Soccer Nation is out. If you have questions for Coach Petroselli or Coach Mott, you can reach them at cpetroselli at mail.smu.edu or mmott at olemiss.edu. College Soccer Nation is presented by DJM Productions and available on all your fine podcast outlets. Download it, give a review, tell a friend.